All right. Well, good evening, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we have this really awesome panel put together uh, with Ruel, with Jim, and with Susan. Uh, we're really excited to bring it to you guys. We had originally intended to do this on a Sunday morning, uh, but you know, David had COVID, and we had a couple things just kind of messing with what we had planned. So, thank you so much for just showing up tonight. Uh, and joining us to hear uh, some of the wisdom that these three are going to bring. Uh, we want to talk about being kinetic where you're at tonight. So if you were here on the, the second kinetic Wednesday night, uh, you heard another panel talking about being kinetic as far as people who would do that as, as a career um, and professionally. And here we have a really great example of a bit of a spectrum of three individuals who are just kinetic in their life, who find the way to do normal life, uh, and to have a regular career, uh, and then also to really be kinetic in their relationship with the Lord. And so we're super excited to hear the wisdom that they have. And we know that for most of us, uh, that you know, being kinetic, uh, following the Lord, isn't something that we get to do and get paid for. Uh, it's something that we get to do just as part of life. And so uh, we're really excited to hear some of the wisdom that these three are going to bring to the table. So uh, we have, uh, like I said, we have Ruel, we have Jim, we have Susan here with us tonight. We're really excited uh, to hear from all you guys. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. Yes. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's start with a, a little question, a little bit of getting to know you uh, mm -hmm. moment in time here. So uh, we'll just kind of go around in a circle or, or whatever. Uh, and if you could tell us about yourself, uh, tell us about family, work, hometown, um, and then tell us about one thing about you that doesn't make it into the normal, average, everyday, small talk, who are you? Uh, type response, you know, so something that's not your work, not your family. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going ahead. Uh, well, I'm Roel, and um, I am originally from Hyderabad, India. Um, I'm, uh, I, I just graduated a few months ago from Grand Canyon University nice. and I'm now working. Um, and um, something very, I guess, that makes that I'm different, I guess, is uh, I, I'm trilingual. Yeah, yeah. Try? Yeah, I'm trilingual. Wow. Yeah. So I speak English, of course, and Hindi and Telugu, which are two other Indian languages. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, my family's in Tucson right now. Awesome. So, yeah. Maybe sometime we can do a, a Hindi podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start learning Hindi. Yeah. We can do that next, maybe next week, right? Yeah. Um, Great. Well, yeah. Thanks so much. What What do you do for work, Rural? Uh I I am an engineer. Um, I I take support te technical tickets from. I actually work at PayPal. So, um, so I, working with PayPal merchants that have technical issues and uh, that they are using, you know, PayPal for their customers and um, trying to. I'm still going through training, so I haven't really done the job yet. But yeah. Is it a pretty extensive training period? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I've been I've I've been training for over a month and a half. Yeah, hmm. and okay. so great. Yeah. I, I had one other question I wanted to add into this little chunk of getting to know you questions. Uh, yeah. So this is coming down the pipeline for you guys too. <laughs> uh, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, <laughs> what would it be? And please go into details. That's a pretty tough question. Oh, I am not a very picky eater so it's a very tough question um but since i've grown up eating indian food mm. I'll, I'll say um i could eat <laughs> i'd probably say 
Uh, this is just coming on the top of my head. I'll, I'll say I could eat rice and um, okra is is okay. the American word, I guess. Yeah. But we called it ladies' finger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ladies' fingers are totally different. Yeah. yeah. It's like a dessert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Firecrackers for you? Yeah. Ladies' uh, fingers were called firecrackers. Oh, I've never heard that. They were very small firecrackers. Oh, my huh. mom made like a little sponge cake with whipped cream yeah. going out that she called mm-hmm. ladies' fingers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a Three very different things. <laughs> yeah. You will be very disappointed if you have a different perspective on what lady mm-hmm. fingers are. Uh, yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah. So how about you, Jim? Uh, tell us about yourself, family, life, work. Sure, sure. Jim Watkins grew up in the Midwest, um, born in South Dakota, mm, spent most of my youth probably in Kansas, Topeka, Kansas, went to high school, college there. Uh, product of a single parent family. Um, raised by my mother primarily, my mother and, and uh, my sister were uh, my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I have a if I have a strong work ethic, I tend to get it from my mother. Um, and this was she was a single mom before that was common in mm-hmm. our society. Um, so it was interesting. Um, she worked a full time job and then had periodic part time jobs that she worked mm. to support the family. Um, I grew up probably with the normal boy teenage habits mm-hmm. and vices. Fortunately, none of them turned into addictions. Mm. Uh, I was able to shed those as I went along. Um, got married young, which is pretty common uh, in my age range. We uh, married my first wife, Cheryl. She was 20, I was 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were married for 49 years until she died of cancer. Yeah. And you knew her, of yeah, course. Yeah, she was wonderful. And uh, my second wife, Angie, we met, uh, we actually met online on Christian Mingle. Yeah. So that's kind of, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've been married now for about seven years, well, a little over seven years. Very good, wonderful spiritual companion. Yeah. Um, so I wrote a letter to myself, you know, one of those exercises, mm-hmm. letters to your younger self. Yeah. And in fact, that was at a retreat that Joel Fritz had organized. Oh, okay. And I wrote to my younger self when he was six years old, and I said, now, don't be surprised by this, but you're going to have two wives. <laughs> <laughs> so it was an interesting letter to do that. Um, made a career out of sales. Mm. Uh, never thought I'd go into sales, but that seemed to, that seemed to just resonate with me eventually, mm-hmm. uh, that it was a way to really kind of control my career destiny and, and get paid for what I produced. Yeah. Um, so I started at um, a company called Xerox selling copiers. Uh, eventually led me into commercial real estate as a broker, and I've been in commercial real estate for 40 years. Okay. So um, grown family, two boys, um, and Angie has two children, two kids, and they're, they're mature. One, both are married. She has four grandchildren. I have four grandchildren. Wow. My grandchildren age in, range in age from... 17 to 24. That's fun. Oh. So great-grandchildren before too long, maybe. Oh, nobody's married. Oh, so yeah. Okay. Favorite, uh, something people wouldn't know about me is um, I've climbed a number of mountains all the way from um, all the way from the mountains at San Francisco Peaks and Flagstaff to Kilimanjaro in wow. Africa. Wow. Yeah. So I've gone from, and some volcanoes down in uh, Guatemala, yeah. so, wow. which is really fun. Um, and my, if I had to pick one food for the rest of my life, it would be a toss-up between oatmeal and salmon. 
Oatmeal and salmon. Interesting. Yeah. You could do salmon on oatmeal if you wanted. You said one food. Well, a meal. A meal. <laughs> a meal. I'm not sure I want oatmeal and salmon. <laughs> one or the other. It's worth a try. And you can tell by my answer that I'm not necessarily a foodie. And I'm in yeah. a family of foodies, so that's yeah. makes, it makes it a little difficult. Yeah, I don't know that a lot of people would say oatmeal yeah. as, mm-hmm. as their one food for the rest of their life. Yeah, I know, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of dumb. It's pretty low on my list. Yeah, when it comes to food, I see there's fuel. Yeah. You know, it's a little different outlook. Yeah. I, for me, oatmeal, as long as it's like 30% brown sugar, I'm Amen. good to go. Oh, you got to have brown sugar. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's Maybe with some cranberries in there, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. That sounds yeah. good. Oatmeal is just a blank canvas. It's mm-hmm. not a... <laughs> I like that. A good goop on its own. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. By itself, it's pretty bland. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, what about you, Susan? Tell us about yourself. Uh, yes, my name is Susan. I um, For work, I'm now a director of student services at a trade school here in the Phoenix area. Okay. I um, graduate with my bachelor's here in a few weeks, which is pretty awesome. Um, but five years ago, I was a homeless, uh, homeless addict. You know, I was pretty lost. My life was in ruins, and uh, I didn't know where to start, you know, to rebuilding that. And so uh, I didn't have a job, didn't have any family to call on, and uh, I didn't want to steal anymore or do things I shouldn't be doing for money. So I actually, I remember I was walking down the street like, God, I, I want to do right, but I don't know how else to do that right here and right now. And I saw people's addresses were faded on their curb, and I was like, well, I can do that. So I went and got $2 worth of paint from Walmart and started knocking on doors and painting addresses on their curb. And and from there, God is just, by me being wanting to do right and do the right things, he has opened doors that just are amazing. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so my career is pretty great now. And then um, as far as kids, I have four kids. I have three daughters. They're 26, 24, and 22. And then my son is 17. I have two stepdaughters or two stepchildren uh, and three grandchildren. And they range from two that are five and one that is three. So yeah, Mm. pretty busy. They're all over the country. So they're not all here. Yeah. That's (laughs) great. Wow. And a food, I would say I love food from the South. I, I, one thing you would know about me uh, is I never went to the same school twice. We moved all over the country. My mm. parents were just going through a lot when I was growing up. And uh, so I love food from the South. So I would have to say fried catfish, collard wow. greens, and homemade mac and cheese. If right. I had one meal to wow. eat for the rest yeah. of my life. <laughs> that is a good answer. All deep fried. A, yes, yeah. all deep fried. That's right. Every, any food that's going to be on yes, the list of foods you should eat forever be. should be deep fried. Particularly if they're southern foods. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's not necessarily going to mean that the rest of your life is that much longer. Right. Yeah. That's okay. But it'll be a good rest of your good life. Good ride out. Sure. That's great. Yeah, well, so each of you guys are here uh, because not only do you just have a job that you do and you do well, but also because you're, you're doing more than just that because you don't really see your job as the thing you clock in and clock out of and that's it. You don't necessarily see your boss as your boss, but you tend to tend to live a life that reflects that you see really our Heavenly Father as your boss. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about this idea of kinetic at Living Streams about three years ago. Uh, we did a whole series on it. It's really similar to what we're doing now, uh, where we talked about this idea, uh, this difference between potential energy and kinetic energy, right? Which 
you know, if, if we went to elementary school or junior high, you know, we probably had that, that science lesson where potential energy is energy that's stored up and it's, it's ready to go. It's like a, a spring that's been kind of pressed down and it's just waiting for someone to let go and it snaps into no longer potential energy, but kinetic energy, right? Like a battery that has all this potential energy stored up in it and you plug it into something and now all of a sudden it's, it's doing something, it's kinetic. And, and one of the things that I think if you've been around the church long enough, uh, you've probably had more than a few conversations of this general sense of kind of frustration um, in the church and frustration in our own lives of we do so much talking and yet we see in the scriptures and and in and and really in the heart of God a lot more than talking Um, we see a lot of doing we see a lot of action we see a lot of kinetic and so we've been trying to uh, trying to scratch that itch a little bit trying to figure out how do we as a church not just talk not just have bible studies not just have prayer times Bible studies and prayer times are valuable and meaningful and we'll continue to do them forever, hopefully. Uh, but how do we let those Bible studies and prayer times turn into something kinetic, turn into something that goes outside of the, you know, the four walls of the church and turn into actually doing justice and seeing kinetic righteousness? Um, and so you are three of the people at Living Streams. There are probably tons of people at Living Streams that we could easily have on this panel, but you're three of the people uh, who really, it seems clear that in your life, there's a lot of kinetic um, and so the question I have for you, just to kind of get things rolling a little bit tonight, um, is how do you get kinetic um, and, and, and why do you get kinetic? Or rather, I should say, uh, where do you get kinetic? What's, what does it look like? What does that mean for you? Where is the place where you're doing ministry uh, just as a lay person, as someone who's following the Lord? And, and why do you do that? Mm-hmm. So we can go in any order. Yeah, sure, I'll yeah, go. Yeah. Uh, so I, um, since I got sober at a rehabilitation facility and we couldn't leave to go to church, I asked them, could I start bringing church into the facility? And they said, yes. And so every Sunday I go into a women's rehab where they're not able to leave. They're just freshly getting sober. And I just go and preach my heart out that God loves them. And, uh, you know, and wherever it is that God is telling me to, to, to tell them and, and, you know, out of the word of God. And I'm just so grateful. Someone told me about Jesus, that it didn't matter what I had done in my life, that if I really wanted to give my heart to him and I really wanted a new way of life, that I could become a new creation in him. And so I get to demonstrate that to men and women in rehab. Um, because, you know, I mean, drug addiction is ruining families, ruining lives. Um, so many people that are in recovery, when they get sober, their kids are with CPS. I mean, everything is ruined and they don't know where to begin to rebuild their life. And there's no better place than on the rock that is Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And to make that clear, to give them an opportunity to make a choice for him if they want, you know, to come to the end of yourself um, and to be presented with the truth. It's just a beautiful, a beautiful moment. And I'm so grateful that someone took the time to do that for me. Mm. And so I want to spend the rest of my life doing that for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I think you, you kind of answered a little bit the, the why there, but um, what brought you to that particular place and what was the what was the transition for you like as someone coming out of that and then someone, you know, presumably feeling a call from the Lord or something along those lines into actually engaging in that? So I became a born-again Christian when I was 20, and I fell in love with the Lord. I fell in love with Jesus. I wasn't raised in a family where anyone uh, modeled that for me or taught me any of that. I had an encounter with him that was profound, Mm -hmm. and I eventually walked away from that when I got involved with alcohol and things like that. And so for him to free me from that and to be able to— to know what it's like to be in such a dark place where you love the Lord and you can't be free from something that has you in a bondage like that. And then for him to come so graciously and to set you free from um, 
that's so important to go back and tell others that it's possible for them to, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just know that um, for every one person that is reached in that way and they make a decision to change their lives, those are children that now have mm-hmm. a mother or a father again, you know, it just it matters. And sometimes I don't get to see the fruit of it. You know, I go and I and I and I and I do this and and then they go on and either relapse or stay sober. And and God has always just told me one plants, one waters, and he gives the increase, you yeah. know, and to just be faithful in planting the seed. Mm-hmm. And so and so I know like when I get to heaven, it's gonna be a party, you know, yeah. and I get to see all of the fruit from that. So yeah. yeah. Did I don't you, know if that answers the question. No, <laughs> absolutely. Did did you have any experiences where you I think you said something along the lines of someone telling you that it's possible? Yes. Um, you know, is there a, uh, like a story you I mean you can always say no, but that you wanna briefly unpack as far as like you experiencing that? Sure. So I had three kids by the time I was eighteen years old. I lived on my own since I was sixteen. I was in an abusive relationship and that I ran away from and and this girl kept inviting me to church, and I just kept telling her, listen, check it out, lady. I'm not going to church, you know what I mean? I didn't even understand why she would want to invite me. Uh, but eventually I gave in, and I went, and it was a play called uh, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus would stretch out his arms in that play, I would just start bawling. I didn't even understand what was happening but I just knew that I was looking at love and I had, uh, you know, ended up going up and making a choice to give my heart to the Lord. and. No matter where I've gone since that moment, I uh, I always can look back and be like, God, you walked into my life because somebody presented you to me, and I made a choice to 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 let you into my heart, and you've been faithful even when I'm not faithful, and so yeah, man, I just yeah. want to show up and tell people the same thing, That's you cool. know what they do with that. I can't I can't have any control over, but yeah. I'm gonna show up and give it to them anyway. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> I love how the Lord does that. How He takes you know like like something that he's done in our life yeah. where he uniquely showed us a facet of his love, of mm-hmm. his pursuit, of his strength, of his redemption. Yeah. And he just says, and I and I did that for you and just mm-hmm. for you, but I also did that to show you how to do this really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what about either of you guys as far as like, you know, where do you get kinetic? Why do you get kinetic? What does that look like for you? Each of you really do that in some really different ways. Well, I, Kinetic talks about using energy and applying energy, and uh, um, I think I get a lot of that, as I mentioned earlier, from my mother, who was pretty work-oriented and a hard worker. So I grew up working a lot of jobs, even in high school, even before high school. Mm. Um, so I worked a lot as a, as a young person then as a young man. So uh, that work ethic has um, always resonated with me, and I'm, I'm really... I'm happier when I'm busy, mm-hmm. and when I'm not busy, I'm looking around for something to get busy at. And there are lots of ways to be distracted by that, but an encounter in G- with Jesus when I was 34 years old kind of set me on a little different path. Um, I still continue to work hard in my profession, coach my kids in Little League and soccer and things like that, but really started a, a, a lifelong, at that point, a lifelong study of the Bible and being involved in Bible studies um, first Bible study fellowship and then community Bible study. Um, so that became a passion for me. And I think, gosh, I've been studying the Word for 40 years. You'd think I'd know it better. Hmm. But like last year in community Bible study, we studied the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. And we studied it probably 10 years before. Yeah. And it was like it was all new to me again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you Some need to be refreshed. You need to stay that. in the Word. Yeah. And you need to memorize and make it really relevant mm. and personal to you. So I, I um, 
you know, once the kids were raised, and we were empty nesters pretty quickly, mm-hmm. like in our mid-40s. So we had time for other things. And then as I got later in my career, I realized that um, I realized that the demands of my career were going to start to wane. And it was a little kind of a scary moment, like, what do I do with that free time that's being yeah. freed up where I'm being less productive in my career? Where can I put that productivity? In? Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a Christian mentor of mine said, why, why don't you just stay home a day a week and just pray and ask the Lord what he has in store for you? Well, I didn't stay home a day, but I stayed home a few <laughs> hours. <laughs> and, and I began to ask the Lord, what, what do you have planned for me in this next stage of life? And over time, he revealed a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And um, my prayer is, you know, thank you for these opportunities to serve you in different ways than I expected to. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for any fruit that I might be able to produce because of that. And any gifts you've given me that I can exercise for the kingdom. Yeah. So that's that's become a, a mid to later life goal for me. Mm. What, what would you say to anybody who's you know who's with us watching tonight, uh, who is can see that on the horizon, that moment of um, anything from retirement to just starting to you know pull the pull the feet off the gas a little bit, uh, or or is in there. Uh, you know, you have any any thoughts on that? I think you've really been thriving in that season of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have some thoughts on it. Um, don't retire too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm still not retired. I still go to the office every day. I still mm-hmm. work there. I don't work real hard at mm-hmm. real estate. And I have some partners that kind of do the heavy lifting, and they let me hang out. Yeah. Um, but it's like working with old friends because we founded this company 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I remember somebody gave me a saying once, said, don't, don't go where you're just tolerated. Go where you're celebrated. Mm. And I don't know, sure, I'm not sure my partners celebrate me, but they yeah. do more than just tolerate yeah. me. So it, there are a lot of friendships there that have been formed over the years. And that makes that very enjoyable. But I can go, I can go to the office and I can sit in my cubicle and I can do work for Living Streams. Mm-hmm. I can do work for Phoenix Trust Commission. Mm-hmm. I can write some lectures for Bible study. Yeah. Nobody bothers me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they want to know what I'm doing. Yeah. And there's a few fellow Christians at work and... I'll write a lecture and they say, well, hey, would you email me a copy of that? Mm. So I get an opportunity to reach out to a few yeah. people there. Yeah. Mm. Tell us a little bit more about that. I, I know, obviously, because I work at Living Streams, that you, yeah. you're uh, chairman of the elder board here at Living Streams, and I think also chairman at Phoenix Rescue Commission. Is that right? Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little about how you serve in that way. That's just a really unique way to serve. You know, you're taking some unique life skills and applying them uh, to some ways that I know, at least at Living Streams, uh, and I hear the same over at Phoenix Rescue Mission, is a huge blessing, but uh, very different. Yeah. Um, I think one of the gifts and abilities the Lord has given me and developed over time, probably corporately where I had management positions mm-hmm. and kind of mid-level management positions, um, is an ability to, to manage and, and lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've taken those abilities and tried to apply them to a spiritual endeavor, a spiritual setting. Um, that was one of the things that when I said, what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you have that you want me to do? And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, Ted Guy, who was the chair of the elder board here, has decided mm-hmm. that he's, I think he's served 17 years. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I think that's enough. Yeah. So I was I was tapped to do that, and that I think I've been doing it for about ten years, and mm-hmm. I've seen the older board grow into a, a really engaged, spiritually formed group 
It's taken the church through a transition from the founder, Mark Buckley, mm. to the lead pastor, David, and just that whole process. We've had many churches tell us that that process was the envy of any church that was making a change mm -hmm. because it was so smooth and well thought out. Yeah. But so much of the credit for that, you know, certainly goes to the elder board setting certain parameters and schedules and time frames on how the how the responsibilities would transfer between Mark and David. But more so was just Mark and David be fully engaged in it. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd known David since he was in diapers. Yeah. So there was a long lasting, almost mm, fatherly relationship there. Mm -hmm. um, and Mark was able to take a very um, impactful leadership style and kind of dial it back and say, you know, it's, it's David's turn. I will support him. Mm -hmm. And David obviously blossomed in this and, and mm -hmm. has taken the church to new levels. And, and I've been privileged to be part of the process, yeah. um, which was carefully, prayerfully done. So um, one of the board members, our oldest board member, Chris Schoenleb, um, got involved with Phoenix Rescue Mission eight or nine years ago. And he just said, hey, Jim, uh, I think there's a good fit here. I think you should join the board. Um, and Chris has always been an advocate for me, and I, I followed his advice and went and joined the board. Um, we were going a few, through a few tumult, tumultuous times there um, where I took a leave of absence from my company and went and worked there full-time for three mm -hmm. months just to try to help out on some deficiencies. Mm -hmm. um, and we did a leadership change there just like we did at Living Streams. Yeah. And that's gone extremely well. And so I've been the chair of the board. I'm finishing my second year. You serve a two-year term there. Okay. So we hired a new CEO that, who I really believe the Lord brought to us mm -hmm. after a fairly extensive, exhaustive, uh, confusing process. Yeah. And the Lord brought us just the ideal candidate. He started in February of 2020. 30 days later, good, oh, good wow. timing COVID uh, hit. to start. Wow. So it was management by crisis almost immediately. Yeah. Wow. But the, uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, PRM has really prospered during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, we took, we were really careful about intake to not bring anybody infected onto the campus and protect our campuses and mm -hmm. the health of our people. Um, but the, the compassionate people in our society just opened their billfolds. Mm. And we've had tremendous fundraising years. Wow. Just um, about three weeks ago, we were given a million dollars by by the Piper Foundation. Wow. Um, discretionary money that we can pay for operations. We can use it for our camp building campaign. We can use it however we like. But they, in one day, awarded $121 million to mm. 71 nonprofits in, wow. in Arizona. Wow. Incredible time. Yeah. So I get the privilege yeah. of serving there too. Yeah, I love that. That just getting to see on a even on a bigger scale, like when 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 the church is responding the opposite way of what's natural to people to something to something like like twenty twenty. Yeah, you know, like COVID. Yeah. I remember uh, there was that really sweet moment for a couple of weeks before things got a little bit crazy and divisive mm -hmm. uh, last year, uh, when it seemed like people were trying to pull together. You know, and some people continued to do that. 
Um, you know, I remember seeing, you know, my wife and I, we were on the other side of the world, sure. just kind of watching what happened through our phones and watching living streams from our phones and watching how all you guys were responding to things. But I remember just being so very proud of this family uh, when I saw, you know, just living streams pushing people to say things like, hey, share your toilet paper, mm. <laughs> um, which, you know, yeah. was a big deal uh, yeah. about a year and a half ago. Yeah, it's kind of, right. kind of funny, you know, normally sharing your toilet paper is a weird thing, but all of a sudden it, it yeah. became you know, very important for a lot of people to have toilet yeah. paper, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and just that natural thing, you know, when you blow it up on a macro scale means the grocery stores are out of it, you know, mm. but then uh, just the heart of Jesus to serve. And as weird as it is to just say, great, I got some toilet paper. Here you go. You know? <laughs> uh, it's such a weird thing to be generous with. It almost seems sort of childlike now as we look yeah. back on it. Oh my gosh, it was childlike. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I was like I said, we were looking, you know, from the outside in. We didn't yeah. have toilet paper shortages in the part of the world where yeah. I was. Uh, we got lots of bidets over there, <laughs> but uh, but it was it was funny and a little bit embarrassing to look into our culture and be like, oh, that level of selfishness happened uh, on something so silly. <laughs> but then also to see the church doing the opposite and saying, no, we will not be that way. Hmm. Uh, you know, we will be generous. Jim, could you, before we move on to Roel on that, that first question, uh, you do something so unique where you really do serve, uh, but, but often from the top, um, which is very unique situation. Um, and, and my experience with you as the chairman of the elder board here, um, is that you are a shoulder to the plow, uh, elder, um, which is not always the case, um, and that you care very much to support us. I've always felt like if I needed something from you, great or small, um, you'd be there for that. And in fact, I have you and your wife serving regularly in a very tiny volunteer spot where you're just offering to pray with people online on a pretty regular basis. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a small thing. It's a very small volunteer spot. And here's the chairman of the elder board. Um, sitting there twiddling his thumbs on a video chat to see if anybody shows up and wants prayer. So could you tell us a little bit about like, like, like what you've learned about, you know, serving, but from the top, it's just such a unique thing. Well, uh, thank you for those kind words. And what did you want of me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, thank you for those kind words. I, I really, you know, as I tried to develop a leadership style early in my career, um, it was really, I, I think, accelerated when I met Jesus. Mm. And I saw the kind of servant leadership that Jesus did. And Jesus tells us those who want to lead need to serve. Mm. And so that's, that's been a guide for me, mm. um, that to, to participate in doing the heavy lifting, the servant responsibilities, um, and, and I now have time and I have resources that I don't need to worry about some of those, you know, things mm -hmm. that I can, I'm, I'm free to use my time wherever yeah. the Lord calls me. Um, one of the things I think really made a difference for me as, um, uh, relating to staff at Living Streams is years ago, somebody put out a, a request for a vacation replacement for pastor on call. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, I think I can do that. Yeah. So I did that for half a day, and I had a few pastor on call calls mm -hmm. and got to pray with people. But more importantly, staff would come by and say, who are you and what are you doing here? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and that I'd suggested to Mark Buckley at the time. I, I said, I think this is something maybe we should have a half a, half a day a week where the elders take POC. Mm -hmm. And he said, 
I have a better idea. Why don't you do it? Yeah. So <laughs> one pastor on call. Let me explain that really quick to everybody. Uh, pastor on call. So we have a pastor on call during office hours, uh, yeah. pretty much every day of the week, because we have people come in from off the streets or people who just call in for things. And mm. so we always have someone, as long as the doors are open, uh, who's here just to to welcome people, to pray for them, to process through things, to maybe see if they need to be connected to a resource that's beyond us or food yeah. pantry or Phoenix Rescue Mission. Sure. Uh, sometimes just to hang out, sometimes for counsel. There's just a whole range of things, and it really is a range of things. Sometimes it is a beautiful moment mm-hmm. of ministry and sometimes you're fielding something a little intense so yeah uh, and you could be fielding a pastor on call situation with someone that comes repetitively yes and yeah. you know you just have to maybe say no yeah yeah but I, so. I think that has really impacted my relationship with members of staff you know I come and sit in the conference room people pop in say hi want to chat a little bit um, it's an opportunity for me to catch up with David when he might want to talk about more corporate things mm-hmm. or some spiritual things that you want to talk about. Yeah. So I think that's helped in my leadership here, mm-hmm. or at least my availability here. Yeah. And I think as the leader of an organization, sharing some leadership for the organization, availability is a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, did you uh, have anybody who stands out to you as someone who modeled that kind of leadership for you, or is it just something that you really absorbed from following Jesus? Hmm. Yeah, I've worked for, uh, back in my Xerox days, I worked for a few people that really modeled that kind of leadership. Mm. Um, they were much more effective at it because it was, he was an Irish guy and he had the, you know Mark Mosier? Uh-huh. Yeah. Everybody knows Mark Mosier. Yeah. Well, just, if you don't know Mark Mosier, just imagine a bald Irish man yeah. uh, with all of the stereotypes. With, and there you go. Who kissed the Barney Stone probably a hundred yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he can tell stories. He's funny. So I worked for a guy like that, and it used to frustrate me because he'd come <laughs> into my meetings and he would take them over, mm-hmm. and everybody would much rather listen to him than me. <laughs> but I learned some of the interacting skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mark Mosher, you just like to be around him because he's so full of the yeah. Lord, but he's also full of a lot of vim and vigor. And, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, he's just an interesting guy. And yeah. so I worked for a guy somewhat like that. Mm-hmm. Probably, Mark, a little more suave than you, but he was, you know... Mm-hmm. <laughs> In case you're watching this, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had some people impact me. Uh, but, you know, you can learn a lot from negative leadership, yeah. too. Yeah. And you can say, hmm, I don't think I would have done that. Yeah. Um, I'm working with a guy now. I mean, I'm working with, on my board responsibilities, I'm working with two tremendous leaders. Mm-hmm. And I'm working with David, who I think is just so gifted in mm-hmm. leadership. And David will say... I'm an introvert. Yeah. But yet he's able to do those extroverted kind of things. And when he gets on the platform and starts speaking, people pay attention because he's telling truth and it's from the heart. Mm -hmm. I remember when my first wife died, David and Mark both came to my house immediately. Mm -hmm. And I ended up spending more time with David kind of processing grieving. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, because David at that time would have been in his mid-30s. Yeah. And I thought, how does this young man have so much wisdom. Mm. How can he guide me, an old man, through a grieving process? Well, it's yeah. because he's been a man of sorrows. Yeah, He's had a lot of sorrow in his life, mm. but he processes it with his eye on the Lord always. Yeah, Like, what can I gain? What can I learn? Mm. And what can I communicate to my flock about yeah. how you handle these circumstances? Yeah. 
So yeah. he's a tremendous leader. Yeah. Ken Brisset at Phoenix Rescue Commission is a tremendous leader. Mm. So it's been a privilege to kind of walk alongside them, help them in any way that I can, support them, and learn from them. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, it's like a laboratory of leadership. Yeah, it's such a blessing. I mean, not all, not all of us get this lucky to have yeah. some examples that we can point to to say, yeah. this is who I learned that aspect of Jesus from. I, I remember to, to the same point of really that servant leadership. I remember I, I used to work at a at a Coco's years ago for, for five years. I worked I remember there Coco's. I was oh yeah. Coco's <laughs> there. They were, it was a, it was a weird relief to my soul when they tore down the Coco's at PB mall. Uh, uh, now they tore down the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The whole mall's gone now. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, Oh, the stress dreams can finally end. But, but I remember I had two, well, I had a lot of different managers, but two managers that I can compare. That was just such a stark difference. I had mm. one, one manager who, uh, who was my general manager, uh, for quite a while, um, and he, and he was a perfectly reasonable manager, nothing, you know, he, he wasn't a bad manager at all, but I do remember one instance there is Coco's it's, it's weird, you know, excuse the story here, but, uh, uh, weird things happened there, but we had more than a couple instances that involved someone defecating where they weren't supposed to. Uh-huh. In the restaurant. <laughs> um, and I remember one time, sometimes it was on accident. Sometimes I'm not so sure it was on accident. <laughs> oh, um, but I remember one time that it happened in the store. Uh, and I, I, I speak a little bit of Spanish and my, my manager at the time, he came to me and he said, Hey, I want you to ask this guy, uh, you know, who doesn't speak English to, to go clean it. Um, and I said, ah, that's not really my job, but uh, okay. And that guy said no, uh, as you do when your boss asks you to clean up after something like that. <laughs> mm. uh, and then my, I told my boss, and he said, well, go ask that guy. And he said no. And so he had me asking all these different, I asked almost the entire staff. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm a you know, low-level minimum wage employee, and here yeah. I am telling people to clean up such a mess. Um, and I don't even remember who ended up cleaning it. You know, it was, it was you know, a hot potato. Um, no, no. Well, <laughs> so <did they>. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but then I had this other manager, Carl, um, who eventually became the general manager there. And Carl was such a follower of Jesus that it was crystal clear to me um, that he that he followed Jesus, even though, you know, he wouldn't spend a lot of time talking about it necessarily with his with his employees. But. But I remember one time that it happened. It was a Saturday morning. It was we were slammed, and someone had defecated in the lobby. Mm. Um, with yeah, I don't understand how it happened. It will blow my mind for the rest <laughs> of my life. Um, and Carl didn't didn't say anything. I mean, we found out, and everybody's talking, and it's kind of funny. And we're like, eh, and everybody's like, who's gonna have to clean that? Carl didn't ask a single person to do it. He grabbed a bucket and some rags, and he went and he dealt with it all wow. on his own. Wow. Um, and I remember I would come in, you know, with other managers to work when I was a host when I was 16, and they mm-hmm. would say, hey, here's a rag, go bust those tables. And I would think, I'm not a busser. Why am I bussing a table? And Carl would would walk in, and he would start wiping a table. If he was on, on shift, if they needed more bussers, mm-hmm. and he'd start wiping a table, and he'd say, hey, I got a second rag here. Would you help me bust this table? Cool. Um, There's just such a difference, you yeah. know? to have yeah. those 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 examples of real servant leadership. I think he's a great mm-hmm. example of someone who was really kinetic where, where he was. So, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so Ruel, uh, you are, again, just a very different person from, from the rest of us on this table. All four <laughs> of us are so different uh, in the way we serve and what we do. And I know for you, it's a little bit of a little here, a little there. It's a little bit of your yeah. passions. And, you uh, know, it hasn't necessarily coalesced into, you know, Something clear, you know, like a yeah. ministry at rehab centers or, yeah. or like serving on elder boards. But 
Uh, but I've known you for a short time and just yeah. seen that you are a very kinetic human being. Um, so where are some, some of the places where you have been kinetic um, and that uh, you would like to be kinetic and, and why? Yeah, um, I, um, like, like you said, you, you, that's so true. Like I, like, you know, I'm over here and over there doing things that where there's usually, there's a need. Mm-hmm. Um, and um for me, uh, mostly, uh, like for, for instance, right now, well, well, let me go back uh, during the pandemic years, mm-hmm. uh, pandemic, pandemic years, years. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic uh, initial days, uh, I was interning at Living Streams mm-hmm. and um, we, uh, by the Lord's grace and lead, we were able to um, spend our time with the homeless and um you're those on the streets, and uh, what was funny to me, actually looking back, was I, we, uh, me and Chuck, the other intern, like we, uh, and even other couple of mission interns, like Bryn and Bethany mm-hmm. and Michael and Daniel, and basically, you know, it was really a wonderful time to work alongside them, and uh, we we miraculously were connected with Phoenix Rescue Mission back then, mm-hmm. and back then we actually didn't know that one of uh, yeah. Uh, elder like well, elders was the the chairman of mm-hmm. one of the chairmen yeah, of Phoenix Rescue Mission and the board of Phoenix yeah. Rescue Mission. Yeah. It's just funny that one day we just got to know that. And and, and what was even what's even funny is actually I didn't know it was you, Jen. <laughs> uh, until until we started talking right now. That's funny. Oh, so, until just oh, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize. I didn't realize it was you. Yeah. I, I've all, I've known you. I mean, we've yeah. We've we've we've, uh, we've been conversed. Friends. Yeah, we've con- you know we've we've had conversations, and yeah. and I love when Jim always comes to me and is like giving me an encouragement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just so funny that I didn't know it was you. <laughs> um, but uh, th- but. So back then I, I was like, you know, in that area of ministry. And then, and then over time it, it moved with, uh, well, I also did some middle school and then, and then, and then right now I'm trying to focus on, uh, the lighthouse, the transformation house we have at living streams. Mm. Um, but to me, like uh, a, a lot of this really, this kind of, um, yeah, I, I learned this thing I thought was signi- I think is significant um, is that um, like ministry we, we can we can call working at the church ministry but realistically ministry is your lifestyle mm-hmm. and and um, and so uh, and so how could I gather that is is there's this this I've I found this profound when 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 Jesus talks about um, well, there'll be a day when I'll separate the sheep uh, to the right and the goats on the left, and I'll tell the sheep, uh, you know, um, I was naked, you clothed me; I was hungry, you you, you gave me uh, food; I was thirsty, you, you know, gave me a drink; um, um, and and you know, I was sick, you visited me; I was in prison, you came to me, and all these things, uh, and and then. The question they're they're asking is, Lord, when did we do that? Mm. Like, and and it's like, and and he said, truly, truly, I say to you, like, when you did it unto the least of these, you did it unto me. And so, and what's profound to me is that question when they asked, Lord, when did we do that? It's like, it's almost like when you're you're doing something that's 
that you're just doing that's in the back of your head and mm-hmm. and it's because it's you have it it's part of your lifestyle now mm-hmm. and and so and 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 what's and it's very different from the goats on the left that he's talking about is is like what lot when did we not do that you know mm-hmm. and and so there's almost there's almost uh, and and the lord saying that when you did not do it to the least of them you didn't do it unto me mm-hmm. and so and so this like is it just hit me that when i'm at the feet of christ and i've come to the lord it's very obvious that he reached so low for me that i how could i not do that in response to mm-hmm. what he's done for me Amen. and 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 partly like we were talking in james um this last sunday um david was trying to make a clear distinction how faith we are saved by faith alone and not by our works and paul was trying to get at trust not in your works because you know, you cannot boast in your works because in front of what the lord's done for you mm-hmm. and and it was his work that has made us righteous and will take us home one day yeah um and and but and james is trying to say the same thing but in a different way and and he's not saying the opposite but he's saying how can you say that you have faith but it's not working out and mm. it's like saying to a bulb oh i faith that this is a bulb i i i can see this is a bulb but i'm like trying to turn the switch on and off and it's still not yeah. working but i'm still calling it a bulb it just doesn't it, it you know that is not a true bulb anymore mm-hmm. in the same manner if that bulb is is truly a bulb then it'll just emit the light what you know it'll just bear the fruit mm-hmm. um and in the same way to me like a uh, ministry is has uh like i've i've made sure of you know that it would be a part of their lifestyle so see so and this can happen in many practical ways when i'm driving down the road and like you see someone uh, i have a stack of phoenix rescue mission cards that i mm-hmm. hand them over and sometimes i have food i pass mm-hmm. it on and just tell them um the lord bless you and um and then and if i do hand over the phoenix rescue mission card it's usually like hey like there's a program if you haven't heard of it's mm-hmm. really amazing and i hope they've contacted it there there are some people i'm still close with that i know um and i try to get them in contact with phoenix yeah. rescue mission um and there's there's always need like you know um like yeah there's there's always a need mm-hmm. um and but as specifically to how that could look with work sometimes like, i i know i wasn't working i'm i'm very early on in my days of working a job mm-hmm. a full time job um it, it it can be a little very tricky because when you start working in organizations that um that you know try to be like just focus on your work and not talk about things that could cause just different ideologies and it seems like that's where our culture's heading um, yeah. and so um but but there's always a room there's always that someone who like the lord he will show to talk to mm-hmm. and 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 like jim was even mentioning earlier how sometimes when you're in your room there's there could be another christian who's like oh can you please write send me that yeah. that that letter yeah. and it, it's still ministry even when sure. you're encouraging your brother in christ yeah doesn't have to always be a non-believer and so yeah. um but yeah uh, that's uh, one last another thing i would 
say is um, last year around fam nights um, when we were focusing on evangelism, mm -hmm. David put this quote up from Charles Spurgeon and um, he, he, he said it bluntly. Charles Spurgeon was like very blunt. He said, uh, if you're a Christian, you're either a missionary or an imposter. Mm. And, mm. And, and, that's, and that's so true because your lifestyle is doing ministry yeah. and living out for Christ. Yeah, yeah that's, that's well put. And a little that's good. Yeah. Uh, Real, I know last summer, you talked about that just a little bit, uh, but I know last summer something really cool happened. Uh, and I know uh, you certainly wouldn't want to take all the credit for being the catalyst. I know there was something cool that the Spirit did, uh, but that you were kind of caught up in as far as uh, really towards the ends of what you were just saying um, with all those summer interns and then COVID shutting down all the opportunities. I know my wife and I, we were, like I said, on the other side of the planet. And at one point we were hoping we were going to have some missions interns. Yeah. And then it was like, well, no missions interns. Maybe you guys can go to to Mexico, well, no, you can't go to Mexico. Maybe you can work with this organization. Well, no, you can't work, you know, because everything just sure. kept getting accessed. Yeah. Everything got shut down yeah. one after another. It went from, you know, being what could have been the coolest summer for yeah. missions interns ever. We had people in Italy. We had people in Southeast Asia. You know, we had people in Mexico. Yeah. We had people all over to, eh, you're all stuck. Yeah. Um, but something really cool did happen. Mm -hmm. um, and you guys uh, were able to see, uh, the Holy Spirit use you to guys to to catalyst uh, to be catalysts for something really really wonderful. Mm -hmm. Could you kind of uh, briefly tell us about what that yeah. looked like and what that was? Yeah, um, last year when the when COVID hit, um, well, well, I well actually to go a little before that, I signed up for a mission internship at mm -hmm. church and uh, and then we what we were. And no one, the church staff didn't really know how the internship that year would look like, mm -hmm. and so uh, and especially and that yeah, uh, Pastor David was leading uh, the mission internship, and even uh, he wasn't as sure what how the structure would go, but he still had his, um, you know, he, he we did have talks, and he he gave a lot of messages uh, regarding the idea behind missions and everything, but. Um, and yeah, and so the plans were to go to Belize and, and do these things. And even with Phoenix Rescue Mission, drive with them and, and, and reach out to the homeless. And in those days, we didn't um, have, uh, we didn't get to do that. Uh, mm. But uh, what really sparked this was, uh, uh, there was an, actually an interesting story behind, well, I guess how the Lord started leading us was, it started with this quick story that I'll share, I'll share. Um, the, uh, one of the interns um, was driving down one, you know, during the heat in the summer um, and in Phoenix and, and he, he saw, the, he was driving down to get some lunch at McDonald's and mm. um, and he happened to see these two men on the side of the road um, just, just struggling to, you know, fill their hunger and so... Mm. Um, one of them was found to be searching for food in the trash, and one couldn't didn't even have the strength to get in the food, you know. And he mm. was just eating dust uh, from the ground, and so uh, sh uh, shocked by what had happened, uh, the intern went to McDonald's and um, got some food uh, for himself and for them, and stopped by, gave them food, and they just took and started eating. and And he went and he said, "God bless you," and went away. And then another day, he saw them again, uh, but this time not as desperate as the other day. 
Uh, and so he again got food and he came back to them and get, handed them the food and um, and he said, God bless you. And right before he left, the, the, there was one one of them like stopped him and said, hey, I, just, I, just, I want to tell you something. And then the intern looked at him and, and was listening and he said, that day when when you when you gave us food, um, I was on the I was eating the dust uh, from the earth and I had nothing. Um, I almost was going to die, um, but when food came uh, in front of me, I looked up to heaven and said, "Surely there's a God who's in heaven," mm-hmm. and and that was so that just. It, like hit the intern and he was sharing with us and 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 then we started spy and then we then we said to ourselves okay there is definitely a need and so we'll and so we we took some time to pray on our personal lives how we were think we didn't we didn't have jobs back then mm-hmm. and we we were just thinking okay let's just go get food with someone and and just talk to them and see mm-hmm. if we can talk to them about the lord um, and as we agreed upon that, and as we were trying to do that, we weren't any experts or anything yeah. in ministry. But um, within four days, there was an instance where Gary at the food pantry, where mm-hmm. I just happened to ask him, "Oh, is there any? Do you happen to have like extra food or milk or something?" And he mm-hmm. was like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, just food that's close. Maybe that's you know that may not stay for long, but we could give out and then." And I thought he'd just bring a few packs, but he ended up bringing us an entire cut. Mm. And um, and so we and the intern went went out and we tried to do. Uh, we we weren't trying to do a social service. There's, there's, the, what we were trying to do was have pass the food on, but also talk to them of Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 so in doing so, something interesting happened that day. One of the ladies, uh, she she noticed how we kind of parked the car and walked all the way just to meet her in the middle of the intersection and she she asked us the first thing she asked us was are you guys missionaries and um, and we were like uh we don't we don't know i mean like <laughs> we, 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 we well, i mean we you could probably say that and and but but it really like it kind of started like you know looking back things again it was just part of the lifestyle that the lord was asking us to do yeah. and then and then later that same day me and the intern realized hang on weren't we talking about grabbing like lunch with one of the homeless and like with our own money but the lord heard us like mm. he just laid all this in front of us mm. and it was amazing because it it was like and not just that but, but we also got uh, we were able to use food and and clothing and like um, drinks and be able to distribute to them um, not just from food pantry but um, that the school district actually uh, had surplus of food that they were distributing to the neighborhoods mm. and this one widow we knew and we try we try hanging out this with other widow as again another yeah. area we would we try to uh, hang out with this widow and she took. She was like, "I'll take ten bags," mm-hmm. and then she took the ten bags in hope that we would come and, you know, add it to the cube stack of food we had mm-hmm. and to distribute. And then the next day, she took fifteen, and she took twenty, and she took twenty-five. And at that point, we knew it wasn't we need. I think the house is plenty, but the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. And so, and more mission interns joined, and it just it it and then 
and then we tried we, we what we were trying to do was and what was what was really interesting was david on meanwhile had this had this i, I suppose a vision that uh that uh, he was like in the staff meeting was like why why the building's empty like mm-hmm. why what well, like this this is the Lord's place that he has given us we should be using these empty places to mm-hmm. serve our church and the community around mm-hmm. and so as that was going on we'd never talked to the staff about any of these things that yeah. were going on on the side but um we, me and a couple interns, you know, we were trying to reach out to these people on the streets and we met this one guy who was the most resistant guy on the streets, the, the most resistant that we had talked to. And it, it, it was until late midnight, like late in the night and um, probably spent about two hours with him. Um, and, you know, people, they, they're kind of like mocking the gospel, but mm-hmm. we just we just wanted to like be genuine. And, 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 I th- and the next day, we were, there was a staff meeting and we came here and um, and David was again talking about we need we need we'll even open up the sanctuaries if 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 needed um, and let them sleep here and so and I and and I asked David like uh, how is there anyone who's bringing the people because and <laughs> David said well uh, Ruel if you have any you should definitely bring some I was like oh. And, and, and I knew that it was a wonderful feeling because it, it, it showed that it wasn't, this is not the job of one person who's working at the church. It, it, it takes the body of Christ mm. to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm. Amen. And that same, that same meeting, after that meeting, that man who was the most resistant on the streets was the first person to show up to the church. Wow. And, and he said, and I, I was I was mind blown, and we ran outside, and I, I, we talked. He said, he said these words, and they still hit me. He said, "All my life, I gave chances to women, to alcohol, to drugs, and been to been in prison and to other things." Um, after after we had a we talked last night, I gave a lot of thought, and especially seeing that you guys weren't working at the church. And weren't getting paid to do that, made me really think of what you guys were trying to do, mm-hmm. and 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 he said, now I want to give God the chance to mm-hmm. work in my life, and cool. and and he came, and it, it was such a beautiful thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and great story. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool what happens when you know just when you just have some brothers and sisters who say, okay, God. <laughs> What are we going to do? You know, I think mm-hmm. of the story uh, with uh, with Jonathan and his armor bearer who just say, okay, we're oppressed. There's like two swords in all of Israel, and Jonathan happens to have one of them. Uh, and they go up to the Philistine garrison, and they just say, they, with with the genius plan, right, of, well, we'll go up to them, and if they say, come up to us, then the Lord's given them into our hands. Don't know where they got that idea. And if they don't, then we'll see. That's, that's the plan, you know. <laughs> And then I just love what happens, you know, the snowball effect from that, that the Lord does give them into their hands. And then you see people come out of the caves and people who are, with, who are in the camp of the enemies turning around, you know, and, and the Lord worked a really mighty thing that day because two people said, God, let's just see, you know, let's just get kinetic, you know, and, and we'll, we'll just see. Um, that's beautiful. Um, 
Yeah, so I want to ask you guys a little bit uh, about, uh, you know, maybe just one or two, you guys respond to it, about balancing. Uh, it's something I don't really know much about. You know, I, I shared the story of, you know, I had five years of my life where I was balancing kind of, uh, uh, you know, ministry and uh, making, you know, my paychecks elsewhere. And the rest of my life, the majority of my adult life has been working in, in full-time ministry. Um, so what does it look like for you? How do you balance the fact that you have a life, need to make a paycheck, need to do work, probably do ministry in that work where you get a paycheck? Because I know that, again, you guys all know that your paycheck uh, may be signed by someone, uh, but really it ultimately is all coming from the Lord. Um, but how do you balance ministry in your career, ministry outside of your career, being kinetic? What does that look like for you in your specific life? For me, when I first started doing this, I would, um, you know, it, my son was a CPS and I was going to take church into the women's facility and then into the men's. And I made a decision right then. I said, God, I will never put anything before this. So any job that I'm going to take, it can't be where I'm uh, not available on Sundays. And even through the process of getting my son back from CPS, and uh, I only had small windows of time that I could see him whenever I was getting him back for the weekends. And he felt like I was putting that before him. And there was a time that I... Uh, you know, CPS would be there to pick him up as soon as we'd come back from doing the ministry and taking church into the women's facility. And, and he would be like, Mom, please, I don't, want, I don't want to be there all day. I want to be with you. And I remember I just said, Devin, this is why I'm getting you back is because God is first in our lives. And when you, when you come back to be with me full time, this is going to be a part of our life. And I need mm -hmm. you to understand that. So that was a season of making a decision. Is this really, you know, am I really standing on this? Is this something that I, I want to put first and, and even before all of these beautiful blessings in my life? And, and as time has gone on and I've gotten married and now I have a full-time job and I'm also in school and, and making sure that I make the time. So Sunday mornings up at eight o'clock or up at six and out to Mesa to the women's. And then we come here and I remember I heard somebody here say, you know, church, coming to church should be like you grab that cup of water to refresh like when you're mm -hmm. running a race and all right, I got the, I'm filled back up and let's send me back mm -hmm. out, you know? And and so then we go, uh, me and my husband go over to the men's facility and and, and do what God has called us to do there. Um, and then Saturdays is mostly Netflix and chill to, yeah. you know, refresh. <laughs> <laughs> and it is finding, it yeah. is finding that balance. But for me, you know, I, I, I wish I could do ministry full time. I wish that was mm. what I did with all of my time. So I never want to be so exhausted from everything else that I'm doing for them. I mean, that's what matters because mm -hmm. like you had said, you know, when we stand before the Lord, like I, I tell people at the ministry, I what does it matter if the, my whole funeral is packed with people that say, man, she really loved the Lord. Yeah. But I'm standing before him and he says, I never knew you. I don't, mm. I don't know who you are. Like you never, you know, I mean, I can't imagine what would be the point, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't want anything to become more important than mm. whatever it is that he's called me to do, whether it's big or small or, or however I feel it makes an impact yeah. just to remember that it's, Everything else is temporary. That job, that paycheck buys me temporary stuff in this temporary place. I'm more concerned with what is going on in my eternity yeah. uh, today. Yeah. So yeah I, yeah, I feel like I'm hearing you saying, you know, as far as that balance, it's priorities on yes. purpose, yes. and it's Sabbath. You know, having mm -hmm. those things. I, I used to do something with my youth leaders when I was a youth pastor, where every once in a while, I could, when I could sense people were really struggling with knowing, like. Uh, like, how do I, with, with this balance question, you know, how do I be a youth leader invested in the lives of these students? And also, how do I, you know, be, you know, a new husband or a new wife? Or how do I do a job? Or how do I do whatever? How do I manage school? Um, and whenever I would sense that was happening on the team, I'd, we'd, we'd take a time and we'd uh, I'd ask them to kind of write down all the things that are taking up time in their life. Um, 
And then I'd ask them to kind of write, you know, one to 20 or whatever. And then I'd ask them to go home for a week and just spend some time praying and asking the Lord to put those things that they had written down that were taken up chunks of their week, put those in order mm-hmm. um, from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it can be, I don't think we do our priorities on purpose, right? I think mm-hmm. they, our priorities tend to grab a hold of us and tell us what's what, you know, where they belong and other people are doing that and whatever, or even, and then even more so, I think it's hard to remember to let the Lord dictate what's yeah. at the top of the list, uh, which is yeah. not always what you expect it to be. Yeah, like I like know? what Veronica said mm-hmm. uh, last week when she says, don't base what you're going to do off of the bandwidth that you have yeah. because sometimes, you know, God's going to stretch you. Yeah. And sometimes like I'm full of all this, like I want to go here, like everything you're saying, I'm like, how can I help you? How can I help you? How yeah. can I help yeah. you? And God will sometimes be like, would you slow down? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I don't have the bandwidth and it's like, mm-hmm. well, you got to get up. It's yeah. time to yeah. go. <laughs> so yeah. it's just that, yeah. I guess it's that heart of obedience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and God really did call us to Sabbath and to rest. And, yeah. and doing that, in my experience, means that in the six days you work, you get to work a lot more. And in fact, you're called to. The yeah. Sabbath commandment is, mm-hmm. you know, one day you rest, but six days you work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that's beautiful. What about you, Jim? What do you? What does balance look like? You know, for you, what does it look like in the past? What does it look like now? Well, I'm at a I'm at a stage now where balance is a lot easier to achieve because I don't have the responsibilities of parenting. I don't have the responsibilities of earning a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still like to earn commissions, yeah, um, but I'm not dependent necessarily on them. So I'm at that luxurious point of life where you don't have to worry about some of those things and you can devote your time into other pursuits. And what I've tried to do is make most of those pursuits center around service to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But I'm also reminded, I think it's, it's a proverb, I think it's 4.3, but I could be wrong. But it says, above all things, guard your heart, uh, for it is the center of life. And I've heard some teaching on that, that you do have to find things that refresh you mm. and that recharge you so that you can go back mm-hmm. to the real tasks that you want to do in your life and for yeah. the Lord. So I find certain things that refresh me, that recharge me. Like you said, dropping off a chair, getting a cup of water yeah. like you're on a marathon, recharges you, ready to go. Yeah. So, got to find things that help you achieve the balance you want in your life. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I want to shift into trying to be, uh, you know, we've really had some great conversation, um, uh, but trying to get some kind of succinct, punchy, you know, get some of those out a little bit. Um, so, I'm going to try to burn through some questions a little bit faster here. But um, could you tell us a little bit about, if, if you experienced any, um, tell me about the fear that you experienced Uh when the Lord was calling you into being kinetic um, and, and what that interaction was like. You may or may not have had that experience, but if you did, yeah. Um, uh, I, I remember when pandemic hit, um, I was still back in Tucson mm-hmm. and my semester had just finished and, and I was watching the news every day and like just seeing the conditions worsening every day, especially hearing Italy and, and all those mm-hmm. crazy stories. And uh, the internship was like in two weeks, and uh, and so, and so a, a thought came to mind: uh, Should I, should I, for this sake, should I, as the scripture does say, of you know, um, abiding by the the governmental laws because they're trying to do good because the God's using mm-hmm. them, um, and you know, to work. Uh, as well, mm-hmm. and so I was thinking, should I listen to that and just sit at home and do nothing? Um, and and it was an interesting thought, um, 
but I actually um, just I had a talk with a uh, one of the interns and uh, what, what you know what do you think and uh, I know his heart was all in he was like I don't know what's going to happen but I'll just call and um, and then I just took the time I just was like I just just I just knelt and prayed and I said Lord what do you want me to do and um, and then I opened the Bible and mm-hmm. Um, and and I kid you not, I this was the first verse I read. It was from the passage that Jesus uh, was talking uh, in Matthew chapter ten. He says, uh, "Fear not what what man can do to the body, but not the soul. Rather fear the one who can destroy both soul, mm-hmm. destroy the soul, uh, in, wow. you know, body in hell." Um, and but what's what was again what was comforting from that passage was in that same passage, it ends with saying, fear not, you're of more value than, mm. than the sparrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so the, the, and then I realized, well, in this case, man's not doing, probably man's not coming after my body, but there's yeah. this, you know, this virus that's coming after my mm. body. And it was a decision I had to make. Okay, I'm going out there, not, not saying that nothing will happen to me, but if something did, I, I I know that it would have been in doing the work of the Lord and it would be an yeah. honor for, in, yeah. in his name. That's and awesome. so thankfully the Lord's, Lord guided me in that season, but that fear was there. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and that season, I don't know how I got out, but yeah. that, 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 that's been a key verse to me that yeah. always that's sticks great. to me. Yeah, thanks. What about you, Susan? The, the fear for me is like, who am I? Like, yeah. who am I to go and, and to try to, to make Jesus known to people that are lost? You know, like, am I going to mess this up? Am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to do this mm. wrong? Is this, you know what I mean? Am I am I doing this in my in my own strength? You know what I mean? I, I still struggle with that sometimes, that mm. fear of like, does this matter? Does this make a difference? Does this yeah. help in any real way, you know? Um, but then I just have to lay that inside, and that, and I, and you know, my my heart with God is like, God, I just love you so much. I just want other people to to know you, and and here I am. So I mean, like, I love to talk. These people listen yeah. to me for an hour. I, I hope I don't say anything wrong. I hope I'm not misleading them or or not mm-hmm. or like you know dis, distorting the truth in any way. So that's why I was so grateful to come here to Living Streams, where I feel like we're being taught the Word of God. I love how Pastor David really takes his time and breaks down the word. And my husband really enjoys that as well because, I mean, our heart is just really and truly to to, to be a blessing, to, um, mm. to help the lost come to the truth. And yeah. it has to be the truth, not my version of it. So I guess the, just the fear of, um, I guess, misrepresenting Jesus in some mm-hmm. way or, you know what I'm saying? I don't ever want to do that. I, yeah. So it's just having that um, fear of, Am I the right person for this? And I guess it's just overcoming that and just stepping out because, you, like you said, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. You know, I just want to labor for the Lord. And mm-hmm. and so I just pray and hope that just keeping my heart in that position that, you know, mm-hmm. he's, you know, I remember hearing a sermon that said, you know, even when a kid uh, was trying to help their parents clean the clean the window, but they use grease instead of Windex. It's yeah. the heart behind it. You know, you can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if I'm messing it up, God, you know, just yeah. show me. Bring yeah. bring good people, godly people into my life to be like, oh, that's so cute. But no, <laughs> do it like this, yeah. you know. And I'm so I'm grateful that, you know, I've been able to meet people here and continue to do so that. I, I just hope will help me grow in my ability to to reach others and uh, mm-hmm. to surround myself with godly people to help me in my yeah. growth and things yeah. like that. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's great. I, so, um, 
next question I wanted to ask you guys, unless you had, were burning to answer that one. Um, well, I think maybe I could add something to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay, go yeah, for it. And, and part of my testimony is because I've had more history with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I've been on the planet longer. I've had yeah. more opportunities for him to impact my life. Sure. Yeah. So I think one of the motivations I have in serving the Lord is simply out of gratitude. Because mm-hmm. I, I can look back over the seasons of my life and some of the challenges and difficulties in my life, and I can see that I, he's always brought me through them. Yeah. Uh, even when I didn't proclaim him or think that I knew him, mm. I think he had his hand on me. Yeah. Because um, there are times when I, based on activities or just accidents, I could have been dead. Yeah. And he saved me for greater purposes, I believe. Wow. That's beautiful. So I think that testimony just creates me a sense of gratitude that I really want to, the, for the rain, remainder of my time, I want to serve him in any way that he calls me to serve. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not particularly a cautious or, or fearful person, mm-hmm. but there are times when I lack confidence in a certain situation. But I, uh, and in those circumstances, I'll pray before. Mm-hmm. Guide me through this. Give me the words. Mm-hmm. Like coming, like driving here tonight. Didn't know what kind <laughs> yeah. of questions yeah. you might ask. That's, <laughs> yeah. Lord, have the Holy Spirit give me some yeah. words. Mm. that might be appropriate to say to any questions that are asked. So there's a real reliance, I think, on a longer-term relationship with the Mm. Lord. Um, And I think Susan's interesting because she had it at young, then she backslided, Mm -hmm. and then she came back to it and stronger than ever. Yeah, I'm not letting go this time. It's a mess out there. I'm convinced convinced you aren't. (laughs) So uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you guys is what what are some things that that it's cost you? I know Mm. it's... We, um, if there were a list of a handful of things that you could say to the to the church uh, in our culture, I think you could say um, one of the areas that we could really, and I don't mean living streams, I mean you know, the larger church in Western culture, it can be so easy to sit uh, instead of follow. You know, it can be so easy to, to that potential energy, right? And we love convenience um, to, to our own detriment. Uh, in our culture, not just within the church, but certainly without. Um, and so, I, you know, I've certainly experienced in my life, kinetic brings a cost. Um, so what are some of the things that it's cost you uh, to be kinetic and not be comfortable and sit down in a nice, you know, white picket fence relationship with Jesus? For me, I mean, it can be heartbreaking. You know, you get close to people that you see are suffering and uh, and they don't make the change. You know, I've... Um, you know, they, they say in recovery, you know, get a, get a dress, get a suit, because you're going to attend a lot of weddings and a lot of funerals. And mm. it's very true. I um, mm. uh, There's this young man that really stands out to me, and, and he has such a beautiful heart, but he just couldn't stop using heroin. And uh, they found his body, you know, three days mm. after he had passed away in an abandoned house. And it's just like... Uh, it costs you to love people to, you know, it's one thing to go and, you know, want to help someone, but to love people really does cost, mm. you know, it does, it does uh, put you in a position to get hurt. You know, mm. I can't imagine how Jesus feels all the times he reaches yeah. out to help us and, uh, mm. and that mm. we don't, we don't receive that help in that moment. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it costs to love, mm. but yeah. it's worth the price, you know, yeah. it's definitely worth the price. Mm. So that's what I would say. Could you rephrase the question again? Yeah, I'm just wondering what what does it cost you to be kinetic? Mm. Uh, what is the price you've paid? Uh, I, I think one of the biggest things that costs you, if you really are intentional about being kinetic, is it costs you comfort. Oh yeah. 
And yeah. a few months ago, Angie and I listened to a podcast called about the comfort crisis. Mm. And this is a book. It's yeah. an author, and we since listened to the whole book. But there is, according to him, and he's not necessarily spiritual, but according to him, there is a comfort crisis in yeah. our culture that we we are drawn magnetically to comfortable things. Mm-hmm. And to step out of your comfort zone and to do some of these kinetic activities really goes against that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he even went on a, I mean, just to really do extreme things, he went on a caribou hunt in the Arctic Circle. Yeah. And he describes all that and how uncomfortable it was. But mm-hmm. you look at our culture and what our culture continually presents to us is comfort, yeah. mm-hmm. distraction, engagement, entertainment, all of these things that are really distractions can be distractions in our life Mm. and can keep us from doing the more fundamental, more important, the more lasting things. And that's to get out of comfort, get out of our comfort zone. So I guess my answer is that kinetic, being kinetic costs you comfort. You have to be willing to leave it behind, go into neighborhoods, go into communities, stop on the street, Mm -hmm. um, do those kinds of things that you may not want to do because it's just not comfortable at times. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I remember seeing Susan's husband standing on the patio by himself maybe six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> he remembers that very yeah. well. Yeah. Yes. And I thought, <laughs> I don't feel like greeting anybody today. <laughs> yeah. I just want to get my car and go home. Yeah. And I said, no, 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 no. I mean, I felt a nudge. And I said, I went over and introduced myself. He says, um, I said, is this your church? You've been going here long? And he says, it's my church now, since we started coming here. We're so excited because we weren't being fed like this before. Mm-hmm. And so finally, I mean, I've met Susan before, but now finally I made the connection yeah. between these two people. But that was, you know, that was just saying, I really don't feel like doing this, you know. But you know what's so great about that is one of the things that was hard for my husband for us to change churches is that he was a baby Christian where we used to go mm-hmm. to church and we have wonderful people that we love that we have connected there and it's a great church it's just God was moving us somewhere else but he was longing for that sense of like you know somebody knows I'm here yeah. you know and so yeah. you provided that for him and that matters well, that's big cool. time yeah. you know what I mean so thank you yeah. for that well I think anytime you make eye contact yeah. and you greet somebody you want to learn their name mm-hmm. it's you're giving you're recognizing you have value. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. value to me. Yeah. You have value to be here. And I think it just raises the game, yeah. the whole yeah. standard. So yeah. it was cool. Yeah, yeah. so now when he sees you, he yeah. reminds me, that's my friend. Yeah. And I said, okay, hon. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yes, that's absolutely. Good. You're my friend. Absolutely. It's <laughs> great. That's it's true. Jim, Jim is, uh, is, is, is really gifted in that. Yeah. I, I can, I it's can. hard work. <laughs> yeah well i want to pivot into kind of our last question and maybe we'll take a little mini rabbit trail or two but um uh what did we not ask you uh what did we miss uh i mean I, we are only going for about an hour and a half here but uh but i think i could do an hour and a half times two or three with any one of you guys uh so so of, of the things that you feel like man kinetic where you are what it's like to move forward, to encourage people, to uh, to just get kinetic in my relationship with the Lord. What did we not talk about? What's the question I didn't ask you? Um, I'd like to highlight something that we do in our home. Mm. Um, and this, this goes back, and I can connect it to a couple of things in my life. I can remember when I met the Lord, I was on a, uh, a retreat. It was called Curcio. 
maybe some of the listeners and watchers experience a Curcio experience, but it came out of the Catholic Church and then it spread to Protestant churches. And that's really where I met the Lord. I finally, mm-hmm. after lots of groundwork, I finally said, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be Lord of my life. And one of the sayings in that weekend was bloom where you were planted. Mm. You don't necessarily have to go on mission trips, but God bless that you did. Yeah. But you can bloom right where you are. Um, and you can represent Jesus right in your community, your spheres of influence. So that was one plant. And then David, I think, I don't know what the series was, but maybe it was a couple of years ago. It may have been the Other Hours series, mm-hmm. or it may have been in the former, the first Kinetic mm-hmm. series. But he said something that really resonated with me, and this would have been in 2019, I think. He said, he was talking about hospitality mm-hmm. and he was talking about when you leave church you know and you're just in your other social spheres who's around your table and I thought that resonated with me and I thought well the people around my table are typically fellow believers mm-hmm. probably pretty much in the same economic strata as me mm-hmm. and it's comfortable but this whole who's around your table just really spurred me to do something and Angie and I came up with what we call an MGen dinner, which stands for multi-generational. Mm. And so what we try to do is have 10 people around the table from different generations, different walks of life. Um, yeah, Alec and Colleen were guests yeah. at one of these. Yeah, and if you ever get the invite, don't, don't turn it down. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. We've had some amazing things. But what we're trying to do is get di- different generations talking to one another. Mm-hmm. Now, within families that happens, but just in social spheres, that may not happen yeah. as often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we try to get at least a couple, and they can be singles too, but at least two people in the 20 to 40, mm-hmm. you know, couples in the 40 to 60, and then some older couples. So we try to get a balance. The last one we had was really interesting because uh, it's the first time we've really gotten real bold, mm-hmm. and we had a, we had a homosexual couple mm-hmm. join us. Uh, for dinner, we had a mixed race couple join mm-hmm. us, and then we had some pretty regular people like Dave Stockton, Brittany <laughs> Stockton, join us. Yeah, and uh, actually the CEO from I'm probably giving away some confidences, but David's preached about it. Yeah. So uh, we had the CEO and his wife, mm-hmm. and we had a marvelous evening. And people, three of the couples there were very spiritual. One couple probably might have been raised in church a little bit. And then the other couple was pretty agnostic, really. Mm-hmm. But we had some wonderful conversations. The spiritual mm-hmm. people talked about their faith and the impact their faith had on their lives. Mm-hmm. And then the others listened with respect. And then when they talked, we listened with respect. So yeah. there was a meeting of the minds um, and some new friendships established that I think will bear fruit over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Beautiful. so we do that three or four times a year. It was hard during covid yeah, but we do that three or four times a year, and mm-hmm. having they were fresh back from Southeast Asia when they joined us. Yeah, and yeah. so we got a lot of that insight into the sex trafficking mm-hmm. uh, industry and what they accomplished over there. Yeah, so I just wanted yeah. to share that. Yeah, that's great. It's beautiful. Something I wanted to say is I know that um, if there's anyone listening that have people in their family that suffer from drug addiction or like I have, I have um, you know daughters that are still unbelievers and. 
I worry about them and I'm concerned for them. And I always tell God, you know what, God, I'll get busy helping your daughters and your sons, and I'm going to just trust you with my daughters and with my sons. And every time that I go and talk, and, and, and it's not in the grand things, it's in just the small things. So I feel like every time I'm, I'm talking to a new group of people and witnessing to them or giving my testimony or just sharing the good news with them, that somebody's praying for them. Someone's praying that somebody would walk into that person's life and share love and share the good news. Like I'm praying that someone does for my children, Mm -hmm. that someone steps outside of the pew, gets out of the pew and goes into the world and lifts Jesus up. Because if they do that, they can impact my daughter who lives in Las Vegas or my other daughter in Ohio, my other two daughters that are in Ohio, by just them being willing to get out of the pew and maybe in the grocery store line, start talking about the Lord if the Lord leads you to. That might be my daughter and you might be answering my prayers that I cry out in my secret place. So I trust that as I'm doing that. And God shows me, you know, these different stories of people that'll tell me, man, my mom, she prays for me all the time. And and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You know, God's using me in a small way to answer someone else's prayer. So it might feel like a small thing, but you might be answering someone's prayer when you share love and you share the Lord with somebody else. And it can feel uncomfortable, very uncomfortable sometimes, Mm -hmm. but it's worth it. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast, I think yesterday, about how to talk to strangers. Yeah. It was really fascinating. Um, because many of the times we, we avoid talking to strangers. Mm-hmm. And this guy was pointing out that uh, he, had, he had reverted to always going through the self-checkout lanes in grocery stores. Mm. Yeah. And he stopped to think about that because he's writing a book about how to talk to strangers. <laughs> he said, well, he said, that goes against what I'm writing about. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'm not going to go through the self-check anymore. Mm. I'm going to go through the regular line. Right Maybe there's somebody ahead of me. Maybe there's somebody behind me that yeah. I can simply talk to. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be a short conversation. Yeah. You never know where it goes. You never know what the checker's experiencing that mm-hmm. day. Yeah. And I thought, I always go to the self-check. Yeah. <laughs> too. And it's I'm not like, feel convicted every time now. Yeah. 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 I'm more convicted. I'm going to start going through the regular yeah. line and see what comes of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. You might be talking to my daughter. You never know, right? Just <laughs> yeah, someone's daughter, someone's yeah. son. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Ro? What um, we not ask? One thing I, I would uh, finish off uh, by saying is that um, I, I know that this is something all, all Christians do, and uh, we start our day, you know, we do our prayers and read, read the word. Um, but it, it, it is also true that we can be like that instance where mouth is always serving, and yeah. it is so important to just sit at the feet of yes, Jesus amen. because if yeah, that's yeah. not being done, then it's 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 all in vain. Amen. Um, yeah. uh, we because again, we can we can we can try doing the the works again and and but having ourselves stressed on um, and I mean Jesus Himself, if He being the Son of God in flesh, uh, just withdrew from the crowds, being on the mountainside to pray sometimes all nights, mm-hmm. and 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 having uh, Him. Before he got to the tax collectors and sinners, it was the father that he fellowshiped with first, then with his disciples, mm-hmm. and then it was them, and and so, and so having that that discipline, I guess, is 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 so has been very vital to me, and mm-hmm. in, and in the seasons where I'm lacking in that, mm-hmm. I I fear to uh, I'm afraid I would rather not, so then. I mean, it is sometimes serving does help in that sense too, but in the sense that I don't want to be like a blind man leading a blind yeah, and, and, and fall into a ditch. Yeah. Um, but I think it's so vital to keep yourself in 
re- just reading and constant prayer. Yeah. I agree with that so yeah. much. Because I feel like sometimes doing all the things I do, I make that my time with God. And mm-hmm. then I don't have that alone, mm-hmm. you know, just intimate time. Mm-hmm. And then you burn out, you know yeah. what I mean? Not burn out, but you're not, I'm starting to do it in my own strength. Yes. And then it loses yeah. its vibrant, beautiful yeah. Holy Spirit. So I, I needed to hear that because yeah. God's been yeah. tapping me on my shoulder. I'm like, okay, I'll get to it. I'll get yeah. to it. And, so and it good. just happens. Really <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Um, well, hey, so if, if you are still with us, uh, thank you. It's been a long, it's been <laughs> yes, a long podcast. You. Yes, yeah. thank you. Um, if you go to Living Streams, if this is your community, I just want to encourage you. These three and so many more like them are in the community. Um, it would be a tragedy if you were showing up on Sundays and leaving without meeting people who are getting kinetic where mm. they are. Mm. I wanted to really encourage you. This is such an important time mm. in history. Yeah. Uh, this isn't mm. just one of those years that we say that. I think we all feel it, right? There is so much shaking that's happening in our world right now. Um, and the Lord is at work in that shaking. Uh, he is moving and he is wanting to do things. And I really believe that at the church, if we will move, if we will be kinetic, if we will say we're sorry for the decades, for the generations of sitting down in our faith, uh, and we're ready to to go into the place where we really spend time with the Lord, where we really get to see his heart mm-hmm. and see how much his heart is for his children. And then we let that move us out of the quiet place and move us into the world, into the streets, into the places where people are hurting, where we mirror the spirit of God as we see the spirit of God in the very beginning of the Bible hovering over the surface of the waters in the darkness. Uh, if we would enter into the darkness and respond and be kinetic, I think we might just see the next revival, the thing that so many of us have been praying for when we are sitting down. Um, and so I just I just want to encourage you, church, you're doing a great job. Church, don't miss this opportunity. Church, let's be kinetic. Let's get disrupted. Let's pay the cost that it, that it costs us, uh, the discomfort and the hurt and the heartache that comes with loving people. Um, and, and let's really just do this. Um, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate you guys. And thank you guys so much just for hanging out with us, for yeah. talking, for sharing your wisdom. Again, I wish we could just do this forever and ever and ever. Um, and thank you just for having real open conversation in a, in a venue that people can can witness and experience that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's been a blessing. Thank you. Yes, yeah. very thank much. You guys. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Well, uh, I think that's that's about it. Let's have a good night. All right, good, good night. Good night, guys. Yeah. Good night.